This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Happy Hump Day, Raider Nation. Welcome back to one of our favorite shows every week. That is, of course, the Raider Nation mailbag, where we get to hear from you, your questions, your comments, your insults, your compliments, whatever it may be, we'll take them equally here at Silver and Black today. We are an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, just turn on the auto downloads and then you never have to worry about it again. Every time there's a new show, we'll just pop up there on your phone or in your car. We'll be able to do that. Shout out to all those people taking pictures of their their car. Mo, I get a kick out of that, don't you? When you see somebody like our, our good friend Raider Loke out in Cali putting on in his stereo in his car and you see the silver and black today logo and he's listening to us in his hoopty. Rock Raider 585. He would come after me if I didn't get his Twitter handle right. Also, he's another guy who likes to listen to us while he's in his car and his way to work yeah. while he's doing overtime. So continue to send your screenshots of you just listening to the show wherever you are, at work, going to the grocery store, picking up your kids, wherever you're going. Send us those screenshots. We appreciate those. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to jump in, Mo. We got, mm-hmm. we got great questions. And so we're going to start off with the first one, which is good news. So Raider Nation decompressed a little bit during the off week. They did, they're not overly negative after the loss to Kansas City, which always hurts Chiefs fans. Like It's like getting kicked in the crotch when you lose to the Chiefs. I understand. All right, here's the first one. Scott and Mo, thank you for all the updates. Really appreciate all you guys do. Thank you for listening, by the way. Question regarding Chandler Jones's emergence last Monday. I wonder what you attribute his success earlier in the game. So that first half, of course, thank you. That is from Mark Burris. So Mark's question, what do we attribute Chandler Jones? What, what was he doing that you saw Mo and watching the all 22 film? What was he doing differently than he was the previous four games uh, that really helped him attack that chief's offense? You just said the word attack. He was more aggressive. I mm-hmm. thought in, in mm-hmm. the first three games, I felt like Chandler Jones was more of a, a contained guy because he wasn't rushing the quarterback with at full speed. At times it looked like he was moving at half speed as if his job wasn't to go after the quarterback, but to make sure the quarterback doesn't escape to the outside. Now I know they played against Justin Herbert, who's mobile. Kyler Murray, of course, who ran anyway in the second half. Uh, Tannehill, who's mobile. Russell Wilson, who's mobile. Patrick (laughs) Mahomes, who's mobile. So I understand like when you're a defensive end, a lot of, Fans have to understand when you're defensive end, your primary job is not always to rush the quarterback. Sometimes it's to make sure the quarterback doesn't burn you for 20 yards on the edge. Now, I will say when you pay Chandler Jones $17 million per year on a three-year deal, you're expecting him to run the quarterback. But I think with Patrick Graham, this may be a scheme thing. Patrick Graham may have asserted that his job be to make sure the quarterback doesn't burn us on the outside because that can hurt us just as much if he's sitting in the pocket picking us apart. Did you see anything in that game? I, I saw I saw not only the aggressiveness from him, but I saw more 
aggressiveness and I think some some more movement on the inside as well, which made a difference early on. Second half, it seemed like they completely forgot what they did in the first half. But in that first half, I liked I saw Clee Farrell, which we talked about yesterday on yesterday's show, and the fact that he's doing better. I saw a lot more movement. It's, it looked like Patrick Graham was really playing with some different um, looks there to confuse the Chiefs. Yeah, and it, we saw it benefit Max Crosby with using Cleveland Farrell on some stunts and twists. Mm-hmm. That also helps with your pass rushers because, but you need an interior guy who's going to demand some attention there to help you out with that. And as I said on previous shows, Blau Nichols, two year, $11 million deal, $7.1 million guaranteed, hasn't been what we expected. I think if he gets more of a push, you'll see even better from Chandler Jones. But as you said, moving up front does help your edge rushers. Absolutely, it does. Mark Barris, thank you so much for your question. We appreciate that. Also, good to see Chandler Jones get off the milk carton and instead get on the <laughs> video board with some highlights. All right, our next question comes to us from Lee in Las Vegas. Lee says, look, I'm not asking for Josh McDaniels to get fired, nor do I think he should. But my question is this. It could Is there any scenario you guys see where Josh McDaniels could be a one-and-done coach? Thanks from Vegas. Take care. And that again is Lee. So Lee in Las Vegas. So I look at it this way, Mo. Is there, there's a possibility of anything happening in the world, by the way. So if the Raiders were to go, uh, ele- or excuse me, to go, uh, uh, go, go six and 11, or if they were to go uh, four and 13, if they were to go, if they were only to win three games, would that be an indication that the Raiders made a mistake? Could Josh McDaniels be a one and done if it's really, really bad? I don't think it will be, but if it was. I can see two scenarios in which Josh McDaniels is fired after the season or before the season ends. One, mm-hmm. they find his emails and they find something they don't <laughs> like in his emails. Two, <laughs> oh two, boy. Oh boy. He would have to he would have to lose the locker room. So not only would the mm. Raiders have to How do you know when he does games, that though? How do you, is that, is that the players, just spirals? It spirals and the players basically quit. If you gotcha. remember before, gotcha. before the, before the Panthers fired Matt rule, David, David Tepper said something. He said, it seemed like the players, I'm paraphrasing. Basically he said the players that looked like they weren't giving their all out there. Mm. So once the players tune out the head, the head coach and the coaching staff, it's over. <laughs> you can't right. come back from that. Once you lose the locker room, there's no coming back from that. So, not only would the Raiders have to finish with a very poor record, but he would have to also lose the locker room in order for Mark Davis to go, we got to move on. Because otherwise, you know, you brought him in with Dave Ziegler, and I doubt it's a one and done just because of the record. It has to be something deeper than that for him to say, we can't move on with this coach. Well, and he has to lose Dave Ziegler, right? I mean, these guys are friends. They, they quote unquote, grew up together in the Patriot mm-hmm. system. And to me... It would have to be Ziegler's call. I mean, there's no question Mark Davis is letting him make the call. There's no personal connection like there was with Gruden and Davis, right? This is a whole different thing. So if if Ziegler lost confidence, to your point, if he lost the locker room, I can see that. But I th- I think they could go four and thirteen, and still he could be coached because if they say, "Hey, listen, we got a top five draft pick, uh, we got some things going on here." we're going to get CJ Stroud, we're going to do whatever they decide to do, then then suddenly your fortunes change, right? So so I think, Lee, it'll be very difficult to see a scenario where that happens. But Mo, 100%, if you see guys quitting, that means they've quit on their coach and you got to make a change. You just can't come back from that. So we'll see how that goes. But good question by Lee. We appreciate it. By the way, he asked the question to me the right way. He wasn't being overly negative. He wasn't being a fanboy. Uh, and saying that you can't fire him ever. He was basically asking the question, hey, I don't think he should be fired, but is there a point where he would be? So I I, I, uh, I appreciate that as well. Basically, basically Lee, Lee didn't email in and say, fire everybody. If we don't go <laughs> to the playoffs, everybody needs to go. No, I get those emails a lot about me. They said, fire Scott. Let Mo host the show by himself. So anyway, we'll we'll figure that out too. Stop it. But I haven't lost the locker room. So, all right, here we go. Uh, this is from our good friend, Gary Harkinreader, who writes in all the time as well. We appreciate it. Send a shout out to him. It's a little bit longer, so I'm going to read through this. He's got some statement, but he's got a scenario here, Mo. I think you'll like this one. 
And he says, I don't know. He's like, you guys, if you address anything but questions in the mailbag, but questions aren't my style, which I just love that. But I'm thinking about the difference between scheme and play design to take advantage of personnel with the Raiders. Consider the following. Derek Carr's under center. Zamir White, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. Carr vacates position to go wide. Now you're in the Wildcat. Defense has to use a timeout. This time Carr stays under center. Defense is still in conflict. Depending on down and distance, Carr can play fake, pitch, handoff, or still go with a Wildcat play. The point is, it's vital to put the defense in conflict. The Chiefs do this with motion. If you uh, just think of the multitude of plays you could run from a White and Jack Jacobs dual backfield. I'd love the OC with this offense. I don't need the defense to be great. I just need to put a defense in a position to do the best they can. Thanks for your time, Gary. So what about Gary's scenario? You know, he's just scenario. He's doing some scenarios there, which I love because, Mo, since July, you and I have been talking about the strength of this running back room and Josh Jacobs doing an amazing job. You know, kudos to him. And we talked about it before and we talked about it yesterday. But Zamir White's been underutilized in my bet. What about a two-back set? Is there is there and in using Derek Carr like Gary says? It's funny he brings that, that up because before the season started, I did some research on Josh McDaniels' tendencies with the Patriots. And he was one of the highest at the Patriots were one of the highest at using two back sets. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm wondering why we haven't seen it much yet and i'm thinking it's probably because as i've said before on this show and i know fans don't want to hear this josh we think this is one of the most complex offenses in the league it's been said over and over again and i think what's happening is there is just still getting the foundation of his playbook and his system in mm. before they pull out the other bag of tricks now i know he's done wide receiver reverses and fleet flickers and stuff like that but as far as like the two back sets like gary is suggesting i don't i don't for see a wildcat situation happening because that just isn't in Josh McDaniel's DNA. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll pull something out like that, but I, I think you'll see more complexity as time goes on and once we know they have the system down. But to Gary's point, I would like to see two uh, backs on the field. I like to see Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. I'll do one better. I dropped the column on Sports Now today and I said I want to see Amir Abdullah on the field more. Do you yeah. remember in the offseason? Albert Breer dropped a tweet and said, Amir Abdullah has locked up the James White role. Yeah. That's why we didn't see him. We only seen him played in one preseason game. One, because he had locked up a position. He has one catch for 23 yards. Where is there's, there's, no, there's been no James White role on this offense. Right. And and no, this is no offense to Josh Jacobs. He's been no. great, but we all know Josh Jacobs can get nicked up over time. Mm-hmm. So why burn him out? midway through the season or three quarters to the season, when you have all of these running backs you can use, you have so many more weapons you can use. I would like to see Amir Abdullah and Josh Jacobs on the field because if Amir Abdullah is your pass catching back, that forces the defense to consider him as a pass catcher out in the flat or down the field. So I, I think to Gary's point, I would want to see more two back sets. Again, I don't think we're going to see Wildcat, but to have Josh Jacobs on the field with another running back, for again, forces the defense to think a little bit. And as he said, the Chiefs do it so well. They even get Travis Kelsey involved. Sometimes he's under center. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw Travis Kelsey take a direct snap yesterday against the Bills. Yeah. So get creative. But I think first the Reds have to get the system down because, as you can see, there's still some hesitation. Players are still playing up to their full potential. We talked about Waller and Henfro not playing up to their full potential. I think part of that is because – they're still grasping the system. And once they do, you'll see more wrinkles. Well, and I think your question about Josh Jacobs and getting nicked up, I think it's because they've struggled so much on offense at times that when Josh Jacobs is running well, they're just like, hey, let's just give it to him. Let's just keep going. Because if he's your, if he's the key to your offense, you're not you getting Waller to do anything. Hunter Renfro hasn't come alive yet, right? You have Devontae Adams at times, but – they just they're just rolling with what works at that point. So I think it's a little bit of desperation to your point about them catching up with the playbook. But Gary, great question. We certainly appreciate it, man. That was a good one. We're going to take our first break here on the Raider Nation mailbag show for this Wednesday on Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. When we come back, we'll get to the rest of your questions and comments. And then in the third segment, we will have our lightning round so don't go anywhere you're listening to silver and black today he is mo i am scott we are talking nothing but raiders football don't go anywhere 
What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It is Mo. It is Scott. It is the Raider Nation Mailbag Show here on Silver and Black today on this Wednesday, an Odyssey original podcast. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the show if you have not already done so. Auto download helps significantly. Helps us. It helps you. And we appreciate it all the time. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit subscription and the notification bell. Ring that bell. Ring my bell. Oh, sorry. Um, I'm, I'm breaking into disco and I can't sing. But nonetheless, do the bell for us and you'll get notified anytime Mo and I are on your screen. Yes. So thank you. All right. We're diving right back into the mailbag as we look at some of this stuff. Um, here's a question. This is from Russ Glenn. He did not give us a location. Russ, you got to get back your address. But nonetheless, he says, hey, guys, here's a question for you. I really believe this Raiders team can still make a playoff run. Uh, the games over the next five weeks are more favorable. He obviously listened to the show yesterday, and the Raiders can string together a good win streak. That said, if they don't, at what point do you start selling pieces, which we talked a little bit about yesterday too, and thinking about the future? I am an unabashed car fan, but if they lose four or five more games, is it time to move on from our quarterback? Again, that's Russ Glenn. That's a loaded question. <laughs> mm-hmm. one that one that I can easily answer though yeah the first part he said when would you consider start selling pieces i would say if they lose to the texans it's time to start thinking about selling because mm-hmm. if you lose to the texans who arguably one of the bottom three teams in the league the bears and the panthers in that group in that trio you're going to be one in five right so at this point you're looking at okay you say 10 and 7 is a good spot if you want to make the playoffs at that point you're not going eight and two to finish the year. I know it's it's pos- it's mathematically possible, but if you lose to the Texans, you're not you're going, not eight, going and eight and two rest of the year. Yeah. So you might as well yeah. start selling at that point. If you lose to the Texans, start Dave Ziegler, start picking up the phone, start selling. Um, and the second part of his question, what was this? Uh, Derek, nah, Derek Carr. If they lose Derek four Carr. or five more okay. games, if they lose four or five more games. That means that they have at at most or at least um, what is that? Nine losses. Right. Five more. Five more losses. So you're looking. You're looking at you know losing record eight and nine Seven at and, best. Yeah. Eight and nine at best, and you're probably not. You're probably going to lose more games than than that. If you're losing five at this point with that schedule, you're probably losing maybe ten or eleven. Right. So you're looking at maybe a top eight pick. And I would say everything is on the table at that point. If you're in range to get a top quarterback prospect, then everything is in question. Because if you can get, uh, you know, I know CJ Stroud is probably going to be the top of the ladder, Bryce Young, top of the ladder. We'll, you know, we'll see what happened with, what happens with Levi's. But if you can get a top prospect mm-hmm. at the quarterback position, the most important position in the league, and you cannot think you have an upgrade, everything is available. But it's a tricky thing because that window of opportunity they have to, to move on for Derek Carr, I believe they have to make that decision even before the draft comes up. Correct. So you're looking at you're looking at your draft position and thinking, do we make a move before the draft? I know the San Francisco 49ers did this a couple of years ago for Trey Lance. They made a move before the draft, well before the draft, because they knew they were in line to get a quarterback and move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. So with the Raiders, you're looking at, okay, who's available? Because we don't even know if Stroud and Bryce Young are going to come out because they're still underclassmen. So they right. may go back to school. Who knows? But right. you're looking at who's available, what's our draft position, and if you can get one of those top prospects that you feel great about, then I would say it's a possibility that they move on from Derek Carr. Yes. Yeah, so if you lose a record happens, Derek Carr's future becomes uncertain. 
Yeah, and even even if it's not that bad, I think I think if you if you finish below five hundred at all, right, then then I think it comes into question. But it, uh, certainly not just based on the draft. But then you have to decide what do you have to put into place there. Do you do you if you can move up if 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 all three of those quarterbacks come out right. So if you have Levis, if you have um, a Bryce Young, and you have C.J. Stroud all come out, and you have a top eight pick. And you can trade up a few if people are willing to do that, especially teams who already have quarterbacks. Then you have to seriously think about that. And, and you can think about that early to your point about the opt out. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I think I think this offseason, no matter what happens with this Raiders team, is going to be one of extreme change again, no matter how it ends up. I don't care if they make the playoffs or not. I think they have to retool. We've seen that. They, they don't have the right pieces on defense completely yet. On offense, they still got to address the line. They have to address the line. They have everything else. If Darren Waller doesn't come back and find his groove again and Foster Moreau can't stay healthy, you got to need a tight end. I mean, there's a lot of pieces here and a lot of what-ifs, and I know we sit here in week six and seven uh, talking about what's going to happen next year, but these are things this team's going to have to think about. I have a suggestion that some Raider fans are going to roll their eyes and some are going to probably cheer for this. But I think it's more likely that the Raiders would trade for a young quarterback who doesn't fit with his current team than draft one. Let's say if they're outside the top 10 and they can't trade up, because let's be honest, the Panthers are, are going to draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I could see the Houston Texans, even though Davis Mills had an opportunity, has still has an opportunity to secure the job they're there. I see the Texans getting a quarterback. And, you know, so and whoever else is ahead of the Raiders or has a worse record than the Raiders, the, the commanders could probably trap the, the quarterback. The Lions. The Lions. I, and I know Jared Goff has had his flashes, but I could the Seahawks, if they fall apart, I could see them drafting a quarterback. I know Geno Smith has had a stretch of good games, but did play well against the Cardinals. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But as I said, commanders, another team, I think, would draft the quarterback. But if the Raiders aren't in position, let's say they can't move up and get a quarterback. I would think that the Raiders, if they wanted to, this is if they wanted to move on from Derek Carr. I'm not saying they're going to move on from Derek Carr. So, you know, yes, you did. Calm, calm, calm your jets a little <laughs> bit. But if they if they want to move on to Derek Carr and they can't draft the top quarterback prospect in 2023, I would suggest going out to get Justin Fields because Ooh. I I don't I don't think the Bears are all in on Justin Fields because I don't they think so either. They didn't put enough around him. He has one receiver in, in Darnell Mooney. He has a very bad offensive line. They just didn't do enough to <clears> help him succeed this year, regardless of what they say. I think they're going to wind up moving on from them because the Bears are going to probably have one of the top five draft picks, and they'll have they'll probably have a seat to get a C.J. Stroud if he comes out, or Bryce Young, or Levis out of Kentucky. I can see them replacing Justin Fields with and another the Ohio State move quarterback, on. <laughs> right? And they, another and they Ohio State. Oh. Right. Well, and. and, and and I you would suggest getting Justin Fields. Well. Yeah, and you can do that. And I don't know. It's not. I don't think it. Well, it might cost you a first round pick. It might not. But if it's a mid first rounder or a second round pick, whatever the compensation is, it's worth the flyer. Because if not, you're at that point. You're kind of in rebuilding mode again. If you're the Raiders, you know, mid rebuilding mode versus completely stripped down mode. And you're probably going to have a high draft pick next year too. So we'll see. But I, I think you're right about Justin Fields. I think. That Bears organization, like the Bears organization tends to do, completely mismanaged him, uh, did not build a team around him. And by the way, I think the coaching sucks. I really do. I don't think the coaching there has been good. You know, they keep blowing out coaching staffs, and they don't get any better. So I, I, And Raider fans might relate to that, too, going back several, several years. But it just seems odd to waste that talent, and the kid's getting killed back there. He's got no protection whatsoever. Uh, so if you're going to do that, that's a good call. Um, any other young quarterbacks out there that you think uh, that aren't named Drew Locke that would be, uh, <laughs> would be somebody that you would consider in that situation? I wouldn't consider him, but I see the connection. If let's say Bailey Zappi takes over the job in New England, yeah. Remember the Patriots drafted Mac Jones with jo- when Josh McDaniels was there. And he had a decent he had a decent year under Josh McDaniels. If Billy mm-hmm. Zappi takes over for the Patriots and Mac Jones becomes available and they want to move on from Derek Carr, I can see the, the Raiders wanting Mac Jones. By the wow. way, he took Jared, he took Jared Stidham with him. Why wouldn't he want to take the starting yeah. quarterback who played well under him with him if if he's gonna move if. on? Big, big, big if. We're totally out yes. there in the twilight zone asking questions. All right. Thanks for that question. All right. Now we go on a Darren Waller question. It's actually more of a comment. 
And this is from John in Walnut Creek out in East Bay. He says, Darren Waller does not love football anymore. He loves a point guard. It's time to get rid of him. Wow. So let me wow. let me uh, let me unpack that a little bit because there's some uh, there's some emotion in there. Yeah, of course. Should should these guys not fall in love? Like, should they not have a significant other? I mean, I, I won't ask Tom Brady that question, but other players who are married or have girlfriends, like we just celebrated, we saw the fans celebrating Max Crosby having a new baby with his girlfriend. Like, I don't know why that's used as a diss, I should say, right? Because they think it's distracting. Well, does that mean every relationship distracts you from football or is it only the guys who seem like they're not performing well? And then it's an excuse, but if he's performing well and he's going everywhere with Kelsey Plum, then it's okay. See, I don't understand it. You're disappointed. Let me, let me say this, John, in Walnut Creek. You're disappointed in, in, in Darren Waller's play, as you should be, okay? Questioning whether he not want, wants to play football anymore, that even might be on the table, okay? But the Kelsey Plum, th- I don't, people just need to leave it alone. My view, Mo. You, you feel any different? You know what, Scott, though? Before the Kelsey Plum stuff started popping up, people were questioning how much he liked football last year. Remember when he missed that stretch and he didn't come back until the Raiders kind of dug themselves out of a hole? People are questioning if, you know, is he all in or is he just a front runner? He's just in it when the Raiders are doing well, when he's getting, you know, all the yards and touchdowns. How much does he love football? People have been questioning about him back to last year. It was the hip-hop thing last year, too, remember? When he put out his new record and he's like... Oh, he's all in the hip hop. He doesn't care. Here, here's what I don't get. Um, and I, I kind of understand where fans are coming from because he's not playing well. So they're wondering what's going on. A player who who racked up 1,100 plus yards in back to back seasons doesn't just fall off. There's got to be something going on there. So that's where the speculation comes from. Oh, does he like football? Is his relationship coming in between? Because as you said, if he was playing well, these questions wouldn't be coming up. So. I, you know, that's that's the fan perspective. I wouldn't go there because I, I don't know what's in the man's head or heart. So no. I'm not going to say he doesn't love football. What I will also say is that I don't get how people think that football players can't have a life outside of football and still right. be productive on the field. Like it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You don't have to either have a relationship off the field with someone or have a relationship with football on the field. And it's, you know, this or that. So in that, cause in that case, Sky, once I get married, I guess Mo's going to be gone <laughs> from the show because I won't be fully invested in this show. I'll have a marriage and kids to worry about. So I can't, you know, I can't be bothered being on the show talking Raiders. Well, and that, that was the point I was going to make is like, does that mean that if you have any job, you're not fully into your job because you have a significant other? I mean, it's just crazy. So, John, I don't mean any disrespect, man. We certainly appreciate you listening and your yeah. question and your comment because we don't always agree with the comments or questions that come in, and that's totally cool. We got a problem with that. And he's and, not and the only one. He's no, not the only no, he's one. not. But the questioning his love of football and his desire to be on the field, absolutely on the table. But I'm not going to blame it on an innocent party because they happen to have a relationship. It's not because he has a relationship, okay? It's because of other reasons. We don't know what they are. To your point, we're not in the man's head. But certainly, fans continue to question whether or not he's all in, and it's a fair question. And that's a question that I don't mind asking and talking about because I have my doubts too. But we'll have to see. He's got plenty of time and opportunity, hopefully back with the Texans against the Texans on Sunday. I will say this. If, if Darren Waller was an all-in, I think he would make a bigger stink about his contract. Because you remember mm. he was going through the contract. Yep. There was yep. not one point where we thought, oh, Darren Waller is going to hold out for more money. He had always said, look, whether I get a deal or not, I, you know, my age is going to handle that. I'm all invested in the team. So that's what I'm saying. I, I don't get where people say he's not all invested in the team because if he wasn't, he would be mm-hmm. all about his money and saying, I'm not going to play unless I get a new deal. And that didn't happen. Now he's all about the booty. No, that's what people are saying. I'm just saying. Uh, but but good, but good point, though. One last point on that, and that is maybe Darren Waller is just a player who's really good in spots and he's inconsistent. Maybe that's it. You know, maybe maybe Raider Nation, because of those two big years, maybe we've all made him into this Travis Kelsey-like tight end that he's not. Could that be a possibility? I think it's possible because fans always think the players, their players are better. Their team's players are better than sure. what they really are. Yeah. You know, because I've been seeing a lot of people saying, you know, not that Darren Wall is number one, but people push back. When I I dropped the column saying that Mark Andrews had a better year last year than Darren Waller, 
And that year put him over Darren Wall in the tight end rankings. And I think Mark Andrews had an all pro year. He did. Darren Wall has been hurt. <laughs> Let's yeah. be honest about Darren Wall. I think part of his lack of production is the fact he's just been hurt a lot. Like he yeah. hasn't been available. When you're not available, that impacts your production on the field over time because these injuries go back, as I said, to last season, last offseason. Right. He's got an ankle, he's got a soldier, he's got a hamstring, this, this, that. That all adds up, especially you know at his age. I know people want to say, well, he didn't play a lot early in his career. Still, your biological clock ticks. I know it doesn't tick the same for men and women, but still, when you're <laughs> over 30 and you're getting banged up 16, 17 games a year, it adds up takes its toll. I mean, hey, look at look at Tom Brady right now, right? Hey, that's the way age catches up with you for some of us. Some of us stay sprite and young, even at our advanced years. But anyway, yeah, absolutely. Great question. All right, we're going to take our next break, our second break. When we come back, we're going to close out the mailbag show. We got a question from Darren in Scottsdale, and then we have our lightning round. You are listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, the Wednesday mailbag edition for Raider Nation. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Silver and Black Today, Wednesday, Mailbag Edition, Raider Nation Mailbag. That's right. Your voice, your questions, your comments, your snide comments, your compliments, mostly to Mo. I get I get some occasionally, but you know, hey, no, we are back here. We are on our Odyssey original podcast. I don't get people asking me for dates like Mo does because I'm a married dude, but that's okay. We, we will find Mo love in all the wrong places eventually, <laughs> someday. We will, but we, we move on with your mailbag questions. I know, Mo. I'm a lot to handle sometimes. Here we go. All right, so let's jump back into this question before we get to our new, our new feature on the show, which is our lightning round, where I'm going to ask Mo a bunch of questions, and him and I are going to discuss the answers, uh, sometimes off the wall. By the way... For some of you who complain incessantly about when we talk about fantasy football, I don't get it. Like, we, we make it entertaining, Mo. I don't understand why they don't like it. It's like, how I'm, I'm shocked. I've never, I've, I know people who don't play fantasy football, but they don't necessarily have a problem with it because they're football fans. Does that, I, I don't understand why people hate it. I understand why people hate it in this sense because if you're a Raider fan, you're a diehard Raider fan. You just want to hear the Raiders. You're not, you don't, you just want to hear the Raiders. You don't care about Travis Kelsey getting 10 catches for 108 yards. <laughs> you don't care about Justin True. Herbert throwing for 350 yards. You don't want to hear that. Or about Scott remaining undefeated. Yes, I understand some people are, are nervous with that. All right. Mo and Scott, one of the things I love about your show is you guys keep it real, stay objective, and don't curse. Well, hot damn. I appreciate that. Um, why do you say. <laughs> That's not really a curse word. Um, that's as saucy as we get. Why do some of these Raiders content people drop F-bombs and worse and act all hard? Football doesn't have to be an X-rated thing. Thanks for what you do uh, and doing a show my kids can listen to with their dad. That is Darren Clem in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mo, it's interesting because we, we've talked about this kind of in a roundabout way um, and we have lots of friends and folks that we know in in kind of creation land and who are either journalists or YouTubers or whatever, and they have their own styles. And some of that style, yeah. just like if you listen to music, you listen to some hip hop, eh, you don't want to listen around kids. You listen to some rock, eh, you don't want to listen around kids. Um, and so there's content like that. And I understand what Darren is saying, and I appreciate the compliments. And and we choose to do a show that way because we have sort of a journalism background and we're doing it from our perspective. But I don't necessarily think, and, and I get it, you don't want to listen to it with your kids, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Everybody kind of finds what they like. I don't know if you will understand this reference, but we are the KRS-One of Raider <laughs> content. I love we keep that. it clean. We keep it clean. We're hard-hitting, but we... We keep it clean for all audiences, but no, seriously. Shout out to Evan Grote for Just Pie Baby. He also says, you know, he likes to listen to the shows where it's not too much cursing because sometimes he'll have it on the car and his kids will be in the car and, you know, kids mm -hmm. pick up everything that they hear. And I think that's part of why we conduct the show the way we do. We want to appeal to the biggest audiences. We want to appeal to people in their 60s who've been Raider fans for 44 decades. We want to appeal to 10-year-old kids who have an interest in football, maybe want to be football players, want to go to college and want to be and writers, 
want to be writers, journalists, as I'm working for Bleach Report right now, I'm wearing the hoodie today. But um, <laughs> we we basically we want to appeal to everyone. We don't want to be a niche rated show where we only appeal to a small group of people. So part of Which that is, is fine. Trying, there's nothing there's right. nothing wrong with having your audience. You know, I mean, there's people who collect Pez dispensers and they have content, mm -hmm. right? There's nothing wrong with that. Like if you want to do that and you want to have a style, because there's some great guys who I listen to Raider shows who, who do curse. Right. And it's not my thing. Like I, if I was doing, it, I'd look like an idiot, right? The way they do it, it fits them. They're cool with it. They have their own style, their own flow and it's good. But, but to your point, we also, and this is not a slight on anybody, because because somebody's throwing something at uh, at Mo's apartment, but um, we have we have people who are um, listening to us because we we went to journalism school. We kind of learned the old school way as far as try to be objective and all kind of stuff. There's a lot of fan shows. There's a lot of uh, kind of hot take shows, which some people like, some people don't. Right, and it's it's all there's room for everybody. That's what I always say. We don't fight with other shows or put down other people. We might be critical of some reports sometimes. But that's only based on a journalistic standpoint. It's not a personal thing. It's not an argument. It's not a fight. Uh, so your KRS-One is a good example, uh, um, or or even Will Smith. No, uh, you can't use that one anymore, I guess, because he hit Chris Rock. But nonetheless, at least you didn't use Vanilla Ice. So I'm yeah. happy for that. Definitely. But I will, I will say shout out to the other shows out there, because I, li as yeah. you said, I listen to a lot of other shows, and sometimes they drop f-bombs and stuff it doesn't bother yeah. me per se i don't right. i don't have any kids i'm not listening to shows in my car with my kids so if i was maybe i would you know veer toward more you know less cursing less uh, decorative language but mm -hmm. you know i have friends who run shows and and they do things differently shout out to them they have their lane and we have ours and as you said there's room for everything there is room for everyone, and we appreciate all those other people doing on. We have them on the show. I mean, Murph, Murph show. I love watching Murph show. It makes me laugh so hard. Uh, and they curse like they don't. They don't get really bad, but they curse. It's like it's an adult show, and and it's totally fine. And I don't listen to I don't listen to it with my kids because my kids are only allowed to listen to Mo and I. <laughs> Uncle Mo, yes. He's Uncle Mo. Uh, so, so yeah, but no, we appreciate it, Darren. Again, the compliments, you don't know. I mean, Mo and I, we listen to the criticisms, the real criticisms, not just the haters, but the criticisms, we, we take it to heart. We, we try to get better at what we do, and we certainly appreciate the compliments as well. So there you go. That's Darren Clem in Scottsdale, Arizona. So say hi to everybody at the Fox Cigar Bar for me. All right. Lightning round, Mo. This is a new one, how we're going to end the show with a little bit of fun. So I'm going to ask you some questions now. You told me in the break that you're not a big movie guy. And, and then the first question tonight in this lightning round is your favorite movie of all time. I know you're not a movie guy, but you have to, everybody's got a favorite something, right? You have a favorite TV show, favorite uh, uh, band, whatever it may be. What is your favorite movie? It doesn't have to be a sports movie, just your favorite movie of all time. Anyone who knows me know I've, I've watched Goodfellas maybe 65 times at least. <laughs> I, yes. I, I watch Goodfellas at least, I mean, once a month. If it's on TV, I have a DV, I had a DVD of it years ago on Blu-ray. If I'm just bored, I just watch some Goodfellas. I also like A Bronx Tale. I didn't think I would Good movie. gravitate toward that movie, but I remember watching that movie in my first year of college, and I'm like, what is this movie that they have us watching? And I actually wound up liking the movie, not because it's, in the Bronx and I'm in New York city, but there are a lot of lessons in within that movie that if you Great. pay attention, you can pick up. And I think it, one of my all time favorites as well. Yeah. You know, it's funny, those movies and, and our good friend, Michael Lombardi over at VEASAN and, and the GM shuffle podcast, of course, former uh, Raiders executive and Brown's GM. Um, he does his podcast. He talks about all the time on the daily coach, which is something you guys should follow. If you don't follow it on Twitter, him and George Raveling's uh, business. Um, he talks about the Sopranos and in, in a lot of these mob movies, to your point about Bronx Tale, the life lessons and and some of the leadership examples, mm -hmm. people miss them because they get caught up in the crime and the murders and all that stuff. And, and believe me, I know those are central to the story, too. But you do you get some of those and especially Bronx Tale, where you have a, a kid coming of age. Right. And he's learning uh, and all that stuff in, in a, an environment where he's trying to be part of it. So, so yeah, those, those types of movies appeal to me. And, and for me, with my family background, with the Italian background, so all those movies I love. And, yes, I, good, Goodfellas, 
Bronx Tale, Godfather 2 and 1, not 3, uh, and many of those, and any Soprano stuff. Like, when it's on, I have to stop and watch it. Like, I, I can't turn the channel. It doesn't matter where it is in the movie. You have to watch mm -hmm. it, right? You have to watch it. So uh, that's a good one. For me, there, I'm going to get... One, yeah, there's go, one go, go. flick that I, that I should have mentioned, and that's a movie that a lot of... Some fans may... If you're an older Raider fan, you listen to this, you probably don't know what this is, but Paid in Full, probably, of urban movies, probably my all-time, all all-time favorite, because number it, it takes place in an area where I used to go when I was younger as a teenager, ah. right? I used to... I know a girlfriend used to actually live not far from where they did a lot of uh, filming for that movie. So it's another reason why I watch it a lot. Yeah. I mean, m m it's, it's funny that that's a great movie actually. Um, mine, since I'm older than you, um, some <laughs> of my movies, you want to call them urban. They used to call them black exploitation back then in the sixties, mm -hmm. which was Foxy Brown. Cause I'm still in love with Pam Greer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she still looks great by the way. Amazing. Amazing at her age. Um, and then the whole Shaft series, man. I love the whole Shaft series. Um, but anyway, those are great movies. Now, I'm going to give you three because I have different... I Two of my favorite movies have to do with cars. And I'm not like an overly car guy. But but I love I love testosterone film movies. I just like... I, probably because of how I grew up. But classic movies, I have to because I'm a movie buff, Mo. So Casablanca, mm -hmm. to me, is just phenomenal. From start to finish, every piece of that movie... The dialogue, the writing, the acting is perfect. Casablanca. Then the movie Bullet. Did you ever see the movie Bullet from 1968 with Steve McQueen? Haven't seen it. Best car chase scene in the history of movies. Still. Uh, and happens to involve uh, a cool 68 Mustang. But that bullet. And then the other one is a complete... I just remember seeing it as a little, little kid. My dad took me to see it. And it's such a goofy, stupid movie. But one of the best, I think, best acting performances by a comedic actor and that is Smokey and the Bandit. You ever watched Smokey and the Bandit? Have not seen Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> well, Smokey and the Bandit, Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, uh, and Jackie Gleason as uh, Sheriff Buford T. Justice. You never heard of Buford T. Justice? No. I don't think so. No. Oh my gosh. I'm sending you a copy. You may not <laughs> like it, but you have to watch his performance. He's basically a redneck Texas sheriff and everything he does is stereotypical. And that was the 70s. So you could still make fun of those people as well. These people who were, you know, down home, Southern with all the stupid stuff that they believed in. Uh, and so it's really funny. And Jackie Gleason, who, of course, was not that way, is one of the best comedic act actors of all time, portrayed that one. So that's it. So older dudes out there will appreciate the movies I like. Uh, but Peyton Full is a good one. I haven't watched that in a long time. I will watch that soon. So there you go. All right. So then mm -hmm. on the second lightning round question, Mo, your favorite sports stadium experience of all time. So whatever situation, now you've talked about Madison Square Garden in the past, going to see the Knicks play, the Knickerbockers play. Um, but is that, give me your best experience in a stadium, child, adult, whatever it was, and the circumstances around it. You mentioned, Matt, you just took stole my thunder, but Madison Square Garden has to be number one because it's the first time I actually saw a Nick game. I believe I was eight years old. Wow. Uh, they were, and, you know, the Knicks had a rivalry with the Indiana Pacers at the time, so I got to see Reggie. that. Up, yeah, Reggie Miller up close in person. Quick note, I actually, even though as a Nick fan, I actually appreciated Reggie Miller because I loved his antics between him and Spike Lee and just seeing <laughs> their interactions. Yeah. It was the most fun thing to be live in person to see that because it's a show within it's a game within the game a show within the show in a sense uh but i also had a good memory at the barclays center i actually took my cousin who's like my nephew uh mm -hmm. to that game got to see the nets got good seats and it was his first time watching a basketball game it was kind of like me even though he was much younger he was probably maybe four or five years old but it was kind of like continuing the cycle it's kind of like a family tradition you take the younger person to see their first game and they have fun with it, and they get to see a rival. The Brooklyn Nets were playing up. It wasn't a rival, but they were playing the Clippers at the time when the Clippers were good, when they had Blake Griffin, they had Lob City, it was oh, Chris yeah. Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and he loved it as a kid. So it was kind of like seeing myself in a younger version enjoy it, and now he's into basketball. So it was good to kind of pass down that tradition to the next generation. That's so cool. I'm going to choke up a little bit. <laughs> 
No, that's a good one. I that's a good that. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, though. I mean, I, I love Madison Square Garden. I, for people who've never, like, like people who go there the first time, they they tend to be like, this is what everybody talks about. But when you watch a game there, and I've seen basketball mm-hmm. and I've seen hockey there too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and seen the Rangers play there. Um, it's just, it's it's hard to explain. I, yes, it has to do with being in, in Midtown Manhattan, but it's just the environment. It's it's hard to explain unless you do it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's phenomenal. Uh, so so that's a pretty good one. For me, I had two. One is 1984. It was game four of the National League Championship Series, Padres versus Cubs. My dad and I, my mom and my brother were going, and my dad and I were going. We went in separate cars because we were coming from different areas, and we had separate seats. And so my dad picked me up from school. We drive down at the time that the Padres played at the, the old San Diego Stadium, Jack Murphy. And we went to have a dinner before the game at Wendy's. We just grabbed something at Wendy's. And in the parking lot, I look down and there's a penny. And so I pick up the penny. I you know, pick up a penny for good luck, right? So I pick up the penny. I put it in my pocket. We go to the game. We're sitting in section 56 at the old stadium, which is in right center field. Uh, and my dad says, oh, why don't you take that penny, go throw it on the warning track. I don't want to get anybody hurt. Well, throw it behind the wall because there was a little temporary seven-foot wall because San Diego had the big walls. Threw it down there. What happened? Steve Garvey hit his home run one section over to put the 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 the, the Padres into game five, which they won. What then won the pennant. So I thought that was timely with the Padres in the playoffs right now after yesterday's opening game against the Phils. Um, and then the second one for me was the first time I took my kids – to Notre Dame Stadium, which was phenomenal. Taking them on campus and doing that whole thing was a blast. So so to me, as you can see, just like you, Mo, I think that's one of the things that Raider fans, and we talk about Raider Dad, the great charity that we've supported over mm-hmm. time as well, is that it's not just going to the game, but it's the memories that you create with family, friends too, loved ones. Those are mm-hmm. what you remember. You don't even, I mean, you remember the players and the games, and sometimes you're lucky enough, like I was with the baseball, to see a, a remarkable historical game for that franchise. But a lot of times, if it's just a regular run-of-the-mill game, it doesn't matter because it's the memories you create, which is why I asked the question about the stadiums. Yeah, and shout out to Ray to Dad, who's doing great with providing those memories to, yes. to families who otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to get those uh chances to see players and go to games and meet players and get souvenirs and stuff like that. But as you said, I don't even remember the outcome of that Knicks Pacers game. I don't remember the outcome <laughs> of that Clippers Nets game, but I do know that seeing the smile on my cousin's, my first cousin's face was all worth it, regardless of how well or how poorly the Nets played that day. The last question, and this is building off the stadium question before we let everybody go here on our Wednesday mailbag. Uh, if what, what sports venue have you not visited that you really want to go to? Hmm. That's a good question. Out of all of them. People are like, Allegiant! Allegiant! Which I, I know, know, right? That's on your list, too. But I'm talking about yeah. any of them. That I, that that are way out of reach that I don't plan on. Because I eventually right. plan on being there. So it's, that's, right. that's on a list. But, man, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Ah, the, the issue for me with it, if if I'll jump in while you're thinking, is is there there were some that I really wanted to go to that were old venue. Now I was fortunate, for example, I got to see a game at Old Detroit Tiger Stadium. I got uh, obviously growing up as a kid, we went to Chicago because I was from Chicago. Went to the old Comiskey Park, these ballparks that are gone, right? Um, and I went to Old Yankee Stadium in the 2001 World Series, right? So, so I've been to some of those. I really would have liked to seen the old Boston Garden. Like that's one I wish I could see. I can't see it anymore because it's gone. Um, and then the old Maple Leaf Garden too up in Toronto would be kind of cool as well. Those are like some of the ones that I think about. Of the current ones, I've been fortunate to go to a lot of them. I have not been to Jerry World yet. I want to go. I just hear amazing things about it. That'll be up there for me, but I, I just don't have a stadium where I'm like, oh, like you said, maybe an older stadium that's no longer around, but I don't have yeah. a, a stadium where I'm like, oh, I have to be there for the atmosphere. Because <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe I'm a snob because I'm next to MSG. Yeah, I'm not next to it, but I'm like 30 minutes from Madison Square Garden. So a lot yeah. of people say, I want to go to Madison Square Garden. I'm like, eh, I can go there in 30 minutes. Not a big deal. I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but. I'll, I'll give you one. You ready? You need to see when when you go eventually and you go to Allegiant to see the Raiders, you have to see a Vegas Golden Knights game 
at T-Mobile Arena, even if you don't like hockey, because the show itself is just unlike anything you'll ever see. So I'll put that one on your list for you. I, I was at, not a humble flex, but I was at Bleacher Report offices last week. Uh-huh. And my assignment editor and one of my colleagues was telling me that, you know, you have to go to a hockey game. So I've never been to a hockey game. And they told me, even if you're not into hockey, you don't know anything about hockey. I do. But I've never been to a hockey game. They said, you have to go to a hockey game. It is yeah. the most amazing experience ever. Because <laughs> they, they recently went to a Rangers game. Of course, it's uh-huh. at Madison Square Garden. But they it's said, great. any hockey game. You don't even have to go to Cedar Rangers. If you're anywhere other outside of New York City, yeah. go to a hockey game if you can, because it's an amazing experience. And I believe them when it's I fun. say because a lot of other people have told me the same thing, that they knew nothing about hockey, but they love the experience being at a game. Yeah, and and of course, then you need to do a Raider game, and we need to do a Raider game where we're doing the podcast there, the post game show somewhere live. Be fun, hanging out it with, Wen- with Wendy and Fabian, those guys, <laughs> pouring drinks on us. It'll be fun. All right, yeah. Mo, this is always a good time, man. I appreciate it, uh, and this this is perfect to me. I love doing the mailbag on Wednesday. It's the middle of the week, in between the hardcore football talk, we get to talk football too with the questions, but we also get to do some wild card stuff. It's always fun. Uh, we kind of get to break out of the, you know, football talk and just kind of kind of reveal some of ourselves and what we like, some of our likes and dislikes and what's going on, because I think that's what also draws fans to our show is that they kind of feel like they know a little bit about us beyond our football takes. And I think that's important. They do. They know that Mo doesn't know or has ever seen Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. Now they know <laughs> that I, I now they know that I don't watch TV and a lot of movies. I know. So that what, people, so maybe now I can get some movie date offers, you know, because, you know, I don't oh, see a lot of movies. Oh, I see uh. there. I see what you did there. That's pretty good. See how that plays? <laughs> see how that plays? I love it. Uh, <laughs> as always, my friend, it'll be good to get back together tomorrow on Thursday. We're going to talk about Raiders versus Texans. We're also going to talk about, does Josh McDaniels, we, we, we answered some questions today about honeymoon and all that kind of stuff. Does Josh Daniels get more than a year if it goes really bad? We'll talk about that tomorrow as well, as well as any other roster news in between now and then. My friend, I will talk to you tomorrow. Yes, well, we'll get serious and break down Texans <laughs> Raiders. We will, and they better not lose. That's all I keep hearing. <laughs> and, I, and I agree with him. All right, for yeah. Mo Moten, who you can catch on Bleacher Report, make sure you look up his work there on the entire NFL, on gaming, on fantasy sports. He does it all. You can catch his Raiders content, too, up on sportsnot.com, on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Goalie, Scott Branson saying goodbye, Raider Nation. We will talk to you tomorrow.